The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 10th chapter. Whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. The one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I tell you, he will by no means lose his reward. The Gospel of our Lord. Today you'll notice that we had three verses, but pretty much you can split them into four pieces. And it kind of brings to a conclusion the end of chapter 10, the chapter that began with the sending of the disciples. And then how that placed within our church here. We've been doing that for four weeks. Before that, we had Pentecost with the birth of the church. So for the last five weeks, we had Pentecost. We had Matthew 28, this, the Great Commission. And then we've had the next three had to do with the, the actual sending of disciples uh, from chapter 10. And today's three verses are the last three verses of that chapter. Just kind of a perspective of where we're at in the timeline of the church. The sending part is where we're at at this point. Now, thinking about that um, kind of a theme and, and Jesus presenti- or presenting that to us, here's, a, here's a, a, a story that will help. A mother approached her pastor. She went to the church offices or church space. She went to her church offices, and there she, she found the, the pastor's office, and she found the pastor. And she approached him because she had a domestic matter that she wanted assistance with. So she said, Pastor... Pastor, my son has horrible eating habits. He's getting heavy. He's not eating healthy. He is not healthy. And it's getting worse. Please, he will listen to you if you tell him to stop eating all that junk food and drinking all those sugary drinks. Pastor listened sympathetically. Then he paused for a moment. He thought. And then he said, I ask that you come back next week and make that request again. That was it. So a little surprised with the response, the mother agreed. She left the church office. Seven days later, she returned to the church buildings, found the church office, found the pastor in the office, and then again she said, Pastor, my son's problems continue. She goes, I'm greatly concerned about his health. He rarely eats vegetables and fruits. He eats junk food all the time. He's drinking these sugar drinks all the time. He, he continues to get heavier, and he's not listening to me. Please, will you talk to him about the dangers of this eating style? Pastor paused. He says, please come back and see me in a week. That's all he said. The mother was disappointed. She was even somewhat irritated with this pastor's answer. And as she was leaving his office through the church building, she complained about the pastor's simple reply, almost aloof reply to her, to some of the folks that she knew that was out in in the spaces. And then during the week, if she ever came across people at the church, she complained to them about the pastor's short reply to her requests. Still, One week later, she returned. This time, 
She was kind of grumbly. Not very talkative, kind of short and unhappy tone. And in that unhappy, grumbling tone, she said, Pastor, will you please speak with my son? This time, the pastor agreed to speak with her son. And as soon as her son was entering the office, and they're all three together, the mother thanked the pastor and said, I'm so grateful that you are taking the time to see my son. A little sarcasm in her voice. But I don't understand why it took three requests for you to do this. The pastor looked at the woman and he said, I heard your request the first time. And I decided that I needed to give up junk food and sugary beverages first. And now that I've avoided them for three weeks, I understand both what he's experiencing now and what he's going to experience if he lets him go. Maybe now he will listen to what I have to say. Maybe now he will listen to what I have to say. I wonder if Jesus could have thought similar thoughts. Jesus was born into a poor, working class kind of a family. Jesus grew up and he experienced growing pains just like everybody else. He knew what it went like for me to a child. He knew what it would be like to cut teeth. He knew what it was like to go through puberty. He knew what it was like to find his place, his rank. How did he fit in? Was he strong? Was he weak? How do you fit in in that pecking order of, of all the guy and girl situations? He, he experienced those, and those are not easy. He experienced temptations daily, just like us. He had to decide, just like us, either he was going to do his Father's holy will, or he was going to do his will. But he had to make those decisions moment by moment, just like us. Jesus entered into a public ministry as the Lamb of God, surrounded by wolves who would devour him, just like he had asked his disciples to do. Go out like sheep in the midst of wolves, like he said last week. He did that first. Jesus was rejected by the people. He was betrayed by his family. He was abandoned by his friends. He was drugged before the governors and the kings long before his followers were ever given the Great Commission. He was beaten. and He was crucified. He died. He was buried. And he rose again as victorious Son of God. Maybe, he thought, maybe I will live my Father's mission to save And maybe I will live my father's ministry to bring healing. And maybe now that I've lived it publicly and I've lived it with them and they've been with me and communed and had this intimate relationship with me for for three years, maybe, just maybe, they will listen to what I have to say. And so he tells them the words, whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. The one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous person. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is my disciple, he will by no means lose his reward. Maybe they will listen. Four parts to that hope. The first part, 
Whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. This first part is establishing almost like a a chain of of relationships, a chain of communions, a chain of hands coming together, if you will. That's a great symbol for this. I had a dear uh, friend and, and, and bishop, pastor person who would always do this like links. So it starts off with God the Father, says Jesus. And God the Father in His love and His compassion and in His mercy, He sends His Son. And He knows exactly what's going to happen with His Son. How many of us would send our sons and daughters knowing that they were going to go to war and probably lose our lives? Hmm, I don't want to do that. I'm a dad. God sends his son. And, and so there's the first link. And his son then is then going to send out the Holy Spirit in love. And that Holy Spirit and the Son is now going to be received by 12 apostles and a variety of other folks. And then there's another link. So it starts with the Father, and then it's given to the Son, and it's blessed with the Holy Spirit. And it goes to the apostles, and then it goes to the friends and the family of the apostles. And it goes from one generation to the next and to the next. This link of apostolic faith that goes back and is tied to the holy tradition, which is God and the Holy Trinity Himself. That is being established. Who receives me receives the one who sent me. And the ones who receive you, receive me. That's the link that is now being set. Just as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one in love, in purpose, and in plan, so every disciple, every one of us, is to be one in God's love and purpose and plan. United in the same step in the same tone, in the same pitch, in the same everything. That is our purpose. There is a divine and blessed connectedness that extends to the church, from God to the church, so that we can reach out to every person that is on this planet. That every person might be able to say that they've been able to hear the good news, that they could be able to experience the good news, and they can receive the good news, and then participate in God's love, and God's purpose, and God's plan. That is the idea of this holy, blessed connectedness that is remembered by you and I every Sunday. Think about how we have that message put into the very words of the creeds. When we say the Apostles' Creed, we say we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, and the communion of saints. We started off by saying we believe in God the Father, God the Son, so it's this procession that we're all linked to. And then in the Nicene Creed, it's very clear. We say we believe in one holy Catholic or Christian and apostolic church. We are affirming this line of blessedness from the Father to the Son with the Holy Spirit to the Twelve, to the rest of the church, to you and I here today. That long line of apostolic traditions. From the Father to the Son to the church. Holy blessings and communion is offered. The goal is that they will receive it. They will receive the reward. And we get to part two. Part two, you take uh, verse 41 and you split it into two parts. It's almost make it two sentences. But the first one was this. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. So it has to do this next parts with the church's participation in God's plan. 
his purpose, and his love. The church's mission is very simple. And we've heard it a couple of times. I'm not the one who formed this idea. Jesus did. And I'm a plagiarist. Everything he does, I'm to try to do. It's that easy. We're plagiarists. Jesus says, know me, know Jesus, and make me known or make Jesus known. That's what we do. Anything else out there? It's fluff. The essence of who we are and what we do is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. And this part, this verse 41, part A, has to do with the making Jesus known emphasis. The church, which is this collection of baptized disciples, functioning as Jesus' body. That is our function. Jesus has returned to the Father. He has given us the Spirit. God is alive and well in us. Our purpose is to be His example and His witness to to our family, to our workers, to the ends of the earth. We are His body on earth. And and we have been blessed with all that God can bless us with. We have received the Father's power and love. We received the Son's forgiveness and life. We received the Holy Spirit's presence and God's very energies. The people of God are purposed then to act as an extension of God, to live as, in the words in here, were prophets. The ones who speak out. We are purposed. We are purposed to be prophets for Jesus, each one of us. Now that might sound terrifying, that someday you might have the opportunity to speak what you believe about Jesus. Trust me, I know. Uh, 25 years, 27 years ago, whatever it was, somewhere around 2000, or no, 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 25 years ago. Um, Forget even the year, that's how old it's been. Gosh darn. Anyway, yeah, somewhere in the 90s, early 90s, um, I started going to church. And somewhere in there, someone said, well, we'd like you to, have to share the message on a Sunday morning. It was a big church. I got the 8 o'clock service. They didn't give me the big ones because I wasn't. And, and, and reluctantly, reluctantly, I said yes. I never had a public speaking place in my life. I wanted to be on the edge, in a quiet place, an observer. But I said yes. It was the hardest three minutes of my life. Three minutes after giving the message, they joked with me. You know, they said, "Jeff, that was that was okay." I mean, they're trying to be nice. That was okay, but I got one problem. I said, "Well, what's that?" I really didn't want to hear it. I just I just wanted to go home and go ride my bike or something. They said, "My one problem is this: it's too short." I said, "Well, you're lucky you got two or three minutes out of me because if I would have done one second, it would have been more than I wanted." The idea of being public with my faith. The idea of standing in front of folks, having the critiques and the criticisms and the evaluations and all the, the, the stuff that goes with that, no way. Well, now I'm a pastor. Shocking. People who knew me before would never have guessed that I'd ever be a pastor. People who knew me in high school, junior high, college, you do what? So this whole prophet piece, the catch is, is that I was brought into this church. I received the rewards of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I received the truth of the apostolic tradition that was passed on from St. Peter to his ones all the way through. You can follow them across through history. I received it. And then God said, now you're going to proclaim it. You've got to be a prophet. You've got to speak. God's plan for all of us in our own unique way, in our own unique ways, is that we would present the way, the truth, and the life of God in our words and in our lives. The reward of the prophet, the reward of all that is holy and good, 
It is gifted to us by God so that we can gift it to somebody else who can gift it to somebody else and somebody else so that everybody has a chance to connect with this beauty and love and goodness that is our Heavenly Father. That brings us to the next piece. Chapter 10, verse 41, part B. The one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. That puts the emphasis on the first part of the know Jesus, make Jesus known. It's the knowing Jesus is the part that reflects in righteousness. Now, the one who receives a righteous person. Righteous is not a word that is much used in this world. About the only times I remember hearing it outside of a church, I think I was a teenager or something in the 20s, I remember watching a movie about, um, uh, uh, of a war scene. And there's these soldiers, and they're hanging off of helicopters, and they're flying over some just bombed-out wreckage with smoke and dead bodies and all this other stuff. And they're, they're smoking some marijuana, and they're sitting back, that's righteous, dude. I mean, I remember hearing them, you know, just using that doped-up kind of righteous. And I'm thinking, that's not righteous. I think there's other ways. You can think of movies and scenes where they use the word righteous. In our world right now, what I surround myself with I don't really hear them wanting to use the word righteous. If you use the word righteous outside of this safe little environment, what's going to happen if you use it in the world? You're going to get pounced on by the world who doesn't like that word. The world wants to say, well, if you use the word righteous, then you're somehow or another above us. You're judging us. You, who are you? You're better than us. They, they use it and they want to twist it so that we never use it. The world has almost like hijacked that word righteous and taken it away from the church. Well, maybe today would be a good day to restore what righteous means. To remember. I don't care what the world thinks. What does God think? What do we remember as a church? What the church remembers is when you think about righteousness, think about this. It's a simple breakdown. Righteousness. Right with Godness. You're right with God. That's all that righteousness means. Right with God. And right with God looks really simple. It's really basic. Jesus says, right with God means you look like you, can, like you love your Father in heaven. Your life reflects that. You follow his commands. You follow his ordinances. What pleases God is what you find love and joy and delight in. And they see that in how you conduct yourself. That's righteous. And when they see how you love people, when they see how you take care of people, when you're loving them like you love yourself, that is right with Godness. That's righteousness. A righteous one is someone who's, here's another way, Paul would say it in these ways. If you're a righteous one or you're in the presence of a righteous one, you have a sense of love. The fruit of the Spirit is coming. Love and peace. There's someone who has peace. There's someone who has joy. There's someone who has patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Those fruits of God, the energies of God, the gifts of who God is himself is in this person. You can see it. That is righteous one. That's what Jesus is talking about. So receiving someone like that into your life means that you are receiving their reward. If you accept all that is good in God through God's ambassadors, which are us, and you start to believe the good news of Jesus Christ because of them, their reward becomes your reward. The reward of the righteous person becomes your reward, and you start to have those same experiences in your daily living. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness. The chain that begins with God the Father, through God the Son, through God the Spirit, through the church, through the apostles, through you and I, 
is now going to be extended one by one as we live righteous. The last piece, verse 42. A lot to be said off of just three verses. Verse 42. Everyone who gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is my disciple. Um, I say to you, he will not by any means lose his reward. Do you notice that Jesus calls them little ones? When he's talking about his disciples, these are grown men. These could be very strong, very powerful men. They could be thin, smart, whatever they are. He's talking about it, but he calls them little ones. Because that's what we are. We are to be small. We're to be humble. And we're to be gentle. We're to be powerful in our Lord, but we're to be grateful and obedient. Little. Let God be big and let us be small. Little ones. Everyone who receives a father participates in this. And this, this last piece means is, is a nice piece for all of us as a church because not, not everybody, every one of us is gifted differently. Every one of us. We all have different gifts of intelligence. We all have different gifts of, of the abilities to love and show compassion. We all have different gifts of, of, of humor and seriousness. We're all just gifted different. But in this last verse, Jesus has given us joy to the whole church. He says, it doesn't matter how you're gifted. It doesn't matter what gifts I've imparted to you in this chain. You've been given a gift and, and to share that gift. And it won't be unnoticed. It won't be unnoticed. Whatever he blessed the apostles with, he has blessed you with uniquely. Now, maybe it's possible in this world you've been gifted with a tremendous capacity to make money. So you could gift a million dollars to a cause that would change the face of the lives of people forever. Maybe you just give 10 cents. Either way, it's blessed. Maybe you give a a, a water well, $8,000 project in Uganda. That's what we were doing you can drill, dig a well, and you can supply clean water to about 2,500 men, women, and children, and those children won't die of nasty diseases. And the women and children, it's a gift. Or maybe all you have a gift is a red solo cup of clean water. But you give it. You give what you've been given. Maybe it's by answering phones. Maybe your gift is to clean rooms. Maybe your gift is to water plants. Maybe your gift is to sing a couple of services. Maybe your gift is just to listen to somebody. Maybe your gift is just to take someone out to dinner. Maybe it is to help them read a book. Whatever you've been gifted, and this passage says that you, you received a award in that gift, and you're going to be receiving a greater award by sharing that gift. So when we give what God has first given us, we are participating in the reward. When we are participating in God's heavenly love, purpose, and plan, we are receiving the prophet's reward, which is God himself. If you ever wonder why your days are gray, maybe give some more stuff away, and you'll feel God working through you. And if you notice that's good, then do more of it. And teach others to do the same thing. That's that third last piece. So we had three verses, four parts. Think about the first story. Maybe Jesus knew all along that that if he first presented the prophet's life and the righteous one's life, that if he lived with his disciples and if he taught them, And if he healed them and he saved them and he just shared life with them for three years, that maybe, just maybe, they would listen to what he had to say. Maybe the church would continue the holy tradition started with the Father 
extending through the Son to the ends of the earth. Know Jesus. Make Jesus known. God help us be that church. Amen. We'll stand and sing the hymn of the day.